Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of the Movie Geeks United Art of the Score series. David Arnold was just Emmy nominated for his fantastic score to the Amazon series Good Omens, and that's just the latest accolade bestowed on this fantastic composer who has defined the musical landscape of films and television for the better part of 25 years. Stargate, Independence Day, Tomorrow Never Dies, Godzilla, The World Is Not Enough, Die Another Day, Casino Royale, the BBC series Sherlock. We could go on all day listing his phenomenal credits. In this conversation, we discuss his work on Good Omens, his affinity for melody, and the advice he gives to young students who are eager to break into the film scoring industry. Well, let's tackle Good Omens first, because I, yes. I, I love your, your score for this, because for me it is a, a study in contrasts between uh, darkness and the divine, and yet it has this tone of playfulness throughout that I really respond to. And I'm wondering, uh, giving musical voice to those contrasts, was that a, a particular challenge that came with this project for you? I mean, I think I've always... Uh, had the same uh, sort of raison d'etre for writing to pictures. When I look at something, it says, this is what I need. And everything that you just said about the show is what the show asked me for. Uh, I mean, it is about those things. It's about a lot of things as well, but you have to have a sort of central tenet. You need to have something which, uh, you know, everyone can agree on is the, the heart of it, you know, because then all the other stuff the crazy stuff, the wild stuff can fly around and, you know, like a, like something which is, you know, attached to a, 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 a centrifuge, uh, you know, I mean, it can spin around and feel like it's out of control, but it's always anchored to the sort of heart of what's going on. Um, so you've got all these different pieces of music and different things that are happening in different time periods and in different places and places that exist or, you know, if you're not a believer, don't exist. Um, uh, and people who aren't people, uh, entities that aren't human, you know, with 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 who who seem to sort of portray and identify what being human actually is more effectively than uh, than anyone else does. Um, when that's all there, um, I you, you just like like when you read a book, you just have to open yourself to the experience and and allow your feelings and your response to the story to to sort of guide you in the writing so um, if that show hadn't have been there then that music wouldn't have been there either it's also emblematic of a lot of your work um, and and what I love most about your work is that it, it's so melodic there's there are melodies present and I find that that's kind of a, a dying art form in film composition lately do, do you mm. Do you automatically hear in terms of melody? Uh, it's sort of my go-to answer. Um, you know, when anyone says I'm doing something, or I'm always looking for the music. You know, there's an awful lot that you can create with sound now, which uh, it can occupy a certain sort of musical space in a show, but it's not necessarily what we would call music. Which is fine because for some, you know, for some shows and for some films, that's exactly the right thing to do. Uh, and 
you know, there's plenty of evidence of, of great work being done in all of these areas. But I, I think it came down to, you know, just when, when I go to concerts or, you know, if I'm listening to music, uh, I, I tend to want to listen to melody. And when I'm walking along, melody is the thing that I hear and that I respond to. And when I go and see uh, a, a concert of, you know, film music or any music, you know, it's like it's the, the you, you can feel the sense of cohesion that happens when a great tune hits a room. Uh, you know, the whole place responds to it. Everyone, everyone connects to it. It's a very, very strange phenomenon. You know, music is a thing, a phenomenon which which which, which lights up every aspect, every part of your brain, uh, and it triggers something within your brain which you know in terms of movement in terms of memory in terms of uh you know heartbeat breathing rates you know music can affect all of that uh and it's a complex method by which it gets to all those parts of the brain but it's the only thing that actually does um and melody is the is is the thing that that, that sort of delivers it to the heart i think um i think you can have visceral music which might be you know, lacking in melody, but it has an effect in a certain way. Uh, but I always think, I always think in terms of melody, and I think, I think that just comes from a, 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 a very deeply built-in love of of a good tune. I'm always, you know, it's like when someone says, oh, "Wait till you hear the sound of this," or "Wait till you hear the sound of that," and I'm going like, "Well, let's just not worry about that. Let, what is it? What's it about?" You know, it's about it's about like when someone's telling you a story, and they're explaining, you know, like how many different colours the sky is. You go like, yeah, 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 but but what it's actually what's it actually about? You know, I know it's a robot and a giant and a monster and a cloud, or you know, but what's it actually about? What actually happens? And that's what music does. It tells you the truth, uh, and and you know, great great music, great melody, um, just unlocks so many so many things. So it's my my go to thing is write a tune if I was. If I was going to try and precede that last five minutes of gibberish, then I would say my go-to method is write a tune. I love what you're saying because every time I look at a film, and I'm sure you as a composer, an assistant storyteller, and essentially an interpreter, you, you do the same. Uh, you, you consider what is this movie really about, and that transcends plot. Uh, plot is something different a, a lot of times. Yeah, what yeah. What the pieces that's actually what, that's trying what to happens. say. That's what happens. The plot is what happens, but what is it actually about is different. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, how do you work? It, say, when a good omen comes to you, do you start formulating ideas from a scripted page, or do you wait for the first imagery? Well, everything is different. There's never been a this is what normally happens. I mean, I can tell you what happened with Good Omens, just to let you know um, how I, how I, how that became the thing that it became. Um, and but there are plenty of evidence of other things where sometimes I've read a script and I thought of something. Sometimes I've read a script and I thought of something, and then I've seen the film and I go like, well, that idea has nothing to do with what's actually you know emerged. Um, and sometimes there's a, you know, might even a change of casting can change the way that you think about a character. The way that an actor decides to play it is makes it feel differently to what it is on the page. And that's what's, that's the great glory of working on 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 these, you know, the t- team sport things. Um, you know, you appreciate that other artists will bring something to it and surprise you. 
uh, you know, I've, I've, I've seen the written word on a page and then I've seen an actor inject it with something which, which gives it so much more definition and so much more clarity and so much more emotion and so much more impact. Uh, and it makes you, you know, it makes you think about that character differently. And that's, in a way, you have to consider all of these things when you're when, when you're writing the music, because it's not just about how do I feel about it, but how does it impact on character? How does it impact on that character's relationship with everything else and everyone else that's in the show? Uh, and um, so, my 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 ideal thing was when when I get asked to do something, especially if it's TV, is that do we have a title sequence? Because title sequences for me are like the shop window, you know, it's the thing, the great shop window. And, you know, like at Christmas, if you're walking along, you know, I don't know what a typical one would be in, 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 in America. You know, maybe it's Macy's or something or a famous shop that, that, that famously does its window displays at Christmas and you can't help but look at it and want to go in. That's what a great title sequence will do. It will kind of give you a hint of what's to come. And it will invite you into the world and you will know by looking at it that that's a place that you want to go and you want to find out more about it. Um, and a great title sequence will do that, whether it's a film or a, or a TV show. Um, now, in the script, there was a title sequence uh, mentioned, but it was always going to be, uh, the music was always going to be Buddy Holly uh, every day. Uh, mm. That was so, Which was a kind of neat, you know, kind of... Uh, um, slightly, you know, the sort of opposite of what you would expect for that sort of thing. So it would work in a in a uh, in a sort of contrary way. Um, but I think that songs in shows a lot of the time are a bit like a great joke. You know, it's like when it appears, it has this great impact in, impact that you can't do with score because it has familiarity, uh, unless it's subsequently a you know, a, a, a sequel where, you know, you've got a great theme that turns up again, that has the same effect. Um, but in a show to start off with, when you have a familiar song, it has it has a certain impact, but that impact tends to sort of go, uh, evaporate fairly quickly, because then you have something which is unrelated to what's going on in the story, uh, and it just plays, and we know what happens in the song. So the effect kind of rubs off a little bit and it becomes less impactful the longer it goes on. And um, and to a certain extent, when it's something new, if you're looking at something familiar in a show that is new, the familiarity for me when I'm looking at it makes me want it to be over quicker so I could get onto the new stuff. Uh, mm. Because, you know, I wouldn't necessarily want to listen to a version of a song that I already know and love, you know, six times. Um but uh, I was sort of vaguely, mildly disappointed because the great thing about doing these shows, and there aren't that many of them that, that you know give you the opportunity to write a title sequence, is that it's a you know it's I said it's a shop window for the show, but it's also a great platform uh, for the music, for the language of the music, for the way that the music occupies its own space in the show, and 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 it's a way of of it becoming familiar with you and you becoming familiar with it. You know, I've always felt like music and with moving images about, it's a bit of a hand-holding exercise, you know. It's, it's, it's sort of leading you along a path and making sure you don't fall off, but you're still, you know, you're sort of being guided through certain aspects of it. And sometimes it leads you to make your own mind up. Sometimes it pushes you and sometimes it pulls you and sometimes it just steadies you. Uh, and uh, and And... The, the, you know, your title sequence is like your introduction to that relationship, uh, mm -hmm. and it's to say something about the show. You know, it's to say this is the kind of world that you're about to step into, 
Um, so I asked early on whether or not they would consider an original piece of music, and I said, well, look, I'm going to do it anyway, uh, and I'll, I'll play it to you, and if you don't like it, then we've always got Buddy Holly. Uh, and so in that process, uh, in the in the early days of the show, uh, I was I was asked to then do six different versions of Every Day by Body Holly for the end titles. Um, there was a, a sort of Carmina Burana version, a, a sort of Shakespearean, uh, sort of folky version of it, a uh, you know, children's choir, um, a heavy metal, death metal version. All these things were in the script. Uh, and so those, that was the first job I did, was do all these different versions of Buddy Holly. And at the same time, I was coming up with my idea for a, for a for a theme for the show uh, and Doug and Neil came along to the studio one day and I said uh, you know for, to listen to it and it was fairly early on uh, and um, I just I, I did the usual thing I talked for half an hour because procrastination is everything and you don't want a decision you know in a way you'd rather not anyone listen to it and, and have an opinion because it, you know you're so close to it uh, but eventually Doug told me to shut up and play it and I did uh, and uh, and they liked you know they liked it Here's a question I have about uh, comp- composition. Um, I've heard from I've heard hit songwriters, which you've you've crafted some some gorgeous songs for the Bond pictures, especially. Uh, I've heard them say that a lot of it is instinctual. If if it comes to them, um, then and they write it in kind of a flash, they know that's a hit or that that works. Mm. 
but but if they have to really labor over it, those are usually the ones mm. that don't turn out so well. Is, is that mm. akin to what film composition is sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have to sit and grind it out, and it's really, really hard work. And sometimes something just appears under your fingers, which it's almost like it's been delivered to you, and it says, here I am, recognize me. You know, and, and I think part of the craft as well is uh, is is the ability to recognise music while it's kind of gestating in your own mind. Uh, you know, a lot of the time you're sort of walking along and you just happen to be thinking of something in your head. You're not thinking of music, but there's music in your head. You know, you're walking along, you're doing something else, and I'm always very aware that that music is happening. And I think I stop and I think about it. And I think is that is that something that is new, or is that just something that I've you know, re- recalling, you know, is it a song that I heard? You know, is it a song? And when, mm-hmm. when it becomes obvious that actually I don't know what that is, I don't know what it is, but it feels familiar. And great melodies, I think, have a sense of familiarity to them. Now you can you can carve these things out of of, of, of nothing uh, just with hard graft and great instinct, uh, and that's been done plenty of times. Uh, you know, sometimes you have the first three notes, and it takes you three months to get the next three. Uh, and sometimes the whole thing arrives fully formed. Uh, and um, there are no hard and fast rules. I wish they all arrived fully formed with very little effort, uh, but they don't. Um, but when you when they do, um, I mean, I'm always extraordinarily grateful. Because, but then you have this odd disconnect where you feel like actually this has nothing to do with me. All I've done is caught it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, don't question Seems it. Like someone's battered <laughs> it over a fence from somewhere, and uh, yeah, I just exactly. have to have the big glove on. Well, you've 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 crafted so many iconic scores, and and I know that sometimes it's, I mean, scores can uh, can be used for for different goals. You know, when you're crafting a Independence Day or something, you, you know that you need something rah-rah and anthemic and you know you need this propulsion here Mm. but i'm curious about the more delicate uh material and i'm thinking in terms of comedy because i would think that comedic elements in a story or a flat-out comedy or romantic comedies which i know you've done too uh they might need a bit more of a delicate approach because you don't want to step on the the joke necessarily with your score no well i think i mean i don't think there's any great trick to writing music for any situation whether it's drama or science fiction or or love story or comedy because i mean it literally is uh it's it's timing and 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 feeling uh comedy probably relies a little more on timing but that's also to do with feeling the rhythm of the gag you know it's finding out where the gag is actually starting being aware of its ramp and being aware of where it needs to land and you help to propel a joke without ever trying to be funny you know it's like the you mm. must never ever ever write what you think i mean what is funny music there is no such thing right you can have things which are sort of vaguely cartoony which if you're writing a vague cartoon is fine but you know what it, unless you're making a very distinctive creative point uh then trying to be funny with music is usually disastrous in comedy because it's basically saying laugh here 
uh, or this bit is funny. And, you know, the thing about comedy is that some people think something's funny and some people think other things are funny. If you're watching a comedy and, you know, some people are going to think 100% of it is hilarious and some people are going to think 60% and some people are going to think 30%. Uh, so you have to play the whole thing straight, you know, so there's enough there for people who might not necessarily get the gag uh, to enjoy the movie. Um, but it's all about understanding the feel. And this is this goes back to that thing about knowing the truth about the story, you know, what's it actually about? You know, in a scene where it's funny, you've got to know what's actually happening. Uh, and that's where comedy works. It usually works against the backdrop of something sort of, you know, sort of, you know, serious. Something is happening that we mm -hmm. have to take seriously in order for the ridiculousness of the comedy to work against that. Um, you know, because if everything is silly, then nothing is funny. You know, it's like if the world... If the world is made of jelly, then coming across a, a you know a jelly house isn't going to be unusual. So you know if uh, I don't even know where that came from, but um, <laughs> you know if, 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 if everything's yeah. wacky and odd and weird, then nothing is really that funny, is it? I mean, once you get used to it, yeah, it's like special effects. Once you get used to special effects. Once you get used to the, wait till you see the monster, wait till you see the monster. Oh, my God, that monster's amazing. Now what? It, it mirrors what actors say about comedy, too, which is we never, we never play the joke. I mean, we're playing it seriously. That's what, with utter conviction. That's what makes it so yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. If you're, uh, watching, I, if you're watching a person walking up a, 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 a slippery incline and they fall over... It's slapstick, right? If someone is spending the entire journey up that slippery hill falling over, it's not really slapstick, then it's tragedy. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a thin line. Uh, and also, depending on what you find funny, that's, but that's true of anything. What do you find moving? <laughs> what do you find yeah. interesting? What do you find exciting? Talking about what you find exciting, and, and I know that I, I've been told that I have to let you go at the top of the hour, uh, so this this will be my last question. But believe me, I could talk to you for three or four hours because your work <laughs> fascinates me. Uh, but I usually ask all the composers I speak to if you, and I'm sure that you've probably taught or lectured about film composition to, to eager students, if you were to pick three or four essential scores to, that you would use to teach teach specific lessons to to composers that want to get started in the business which ones would they be well here's the thing i mean i do a lot of talking to classes and students about film music but i never really get into the specifics i i don't do today we're going to learn about brass voicing you know i mean there's a mm. there's a there's a kind of understanding that people at that level will know about music you know they can write music uh, and in a way, I think the last thing you should do as a film composer is listen to other film scores. Um, you know, I, th I think you should watch a lot of movies uh, and understand why things work and how they work and try and have an understanding about why a particular approach has affected you in that way. You know, why, is, why does this make you feel cold? Because my opinion on it, is going to be different to yours. I could ho I could hold up a piece of film, you know, a film as a uh, uh, as a, a an example of something that I think is very good. But if you're sitting there thinking, actually, you know what, I think that's terrible, then me telling you it's good isn't going to make you like it anymore. Any more than any more than me 
you know, giving you a plate of food and telling you how wonderful it is, but you taste it, and you're like, do you know what, I just don't like it. And me telling you why it's great isn't going to make you like it anymore. I do think that, you know, single-mindedness and having a, a, an idea and opinion of your own is the most important thing you can do because, you know, when, you, when you're asked to do a film, people want you to bring the solution. They want you to come with the answer. Uh, you know, they don't want you to say, what do you want me to do or how do you think I should do it? You know, they want you to come with, a, with, an, a, with an angle and say, this is what I'm hearing and this is the reason why I'm hearing it and this is why I think we should try it like this. Um, with the obvious caveats, you know, of, of you know, when you discuss it and, and uh, you know, you, you see the movie and you think of a way that it might work, all, all, that, all those things. But, but ideally, you know, you, you want to be able to watch it and say, I know what this needs. This is what I think we could do with this to make it really, really interesting. Uh, and, and you know, I think it's... I, I, I don't listen to other film scores out of context of watching the movie. And I'm watching the movie for a specific reason because I want to know what happens and I want to know what it's about. Um, I mean, knowing about film music, all, all that happens is it makes me appreciate good work more and it makes me mm -hmm. be able to identify why I think something doesn't work more easily you know i'm more aware of when things don't work the reasons why i feel that is uh it doesn't always necessarily stop me enjoying a film you know i mean if it's a if it's a music cue that doesn't feel right to me then i'll know the reason why i feel like that but i might be sitting next to someone who thinks it's the best cue in the world um you know i mean this is i mean the bond thing is is the perfect you know exemplar of that isn't it you know for some people um you know, John Barry will never be bettered, and for some people, uh, um, you know, Tom Newman will never be bettered. You know, it's just there's always going to be there's always going to be someone who likes one thing and doesn't like another thing, um, and that's something you can't really ever worry about. So my my discussions that I have with students is about finding your voice and having your opinion and and knowing the truth about what the world is like. Uh, in film and TV, you know, rather than glossing over it or, or, or painting it as a sort of shiny way and say, let's spend let's spend two hours, you know, writing a woodwind only piece for this scene in Kramer versus Kramer to see how you do it. Um, you know, it's like get, get you know get a new film, get some you know find a new voice. You know, that's already been that's already been addressed. You know, this film has been seen to, it's been taken care of, it's out of the hospital. You know, it's like you don't need to go in and re-break its leg and see if you want to set it in a different way. Leave it alone. Wait for a patient that's come in with a different uh, break and see, <laughs> see what you can do about that. Um, so I wouldn't do that. Uh, you know, I mean, I could I could tell people what my favourite scores are, but they're not necessarily particularly good scores for particularly good films, necessarily. They're just my favourites. Yeah. You know, it's like I know that I like eating certain sorts of food that if you analyzed it as a as a you know in terms of its nutritional value some things that i like aren't nutritionally sound and some things that i like are but those are the things that i like so uh no you know, i, I like what you're saying and stand actually up in front of someone and saying you know what that thing that you like you shouldn't eat it you know you, you you i mean it's okay so you can eat it in you know bits of it sometimes but not all the time but, but you know people know that sort of thing anyway but sometimes you know, no one's pretending that a can of Coke is a is a is a bottle of of of, 
uh, Moet and Chandon. You know, no one's pretending that. They're both drinks. They're both fizzy. Sometimes you want a Coke. Sometimes you want champagne. That is the most unique answer I've ever had to that question because I asked that of all my all my composers that I interview, and I, I love that answer because it encourages people to find their own musical voice. There's no there's yeah, no formula. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I also I also slightly struggle with the idea of teaching film music to people because it's like teaching creative writing. I mean, you can teach people the tools, you can teach people grammar, you can teach them sentence structure, you can teach them, you know, how to spell. But how do you teach them how to write? You don't. You have to let them write and then yeah. you critique what they've written. But you can't tell them this is how you do it. Because there's, there's going to be a hundred examples of how something has worked brilliantly by not doing that. Once again, I've, you know, most of my adult life, I've been listening to your work and I, I adore it. I really do. So I how can't thank you. How old are you? Enough. This is when it gets scary. <laughs> <laughs> I found some tapes. Uh, I've just cleaned out a couple of, uh, of storage units that I had. Uh, and the, the, you know it's like you just end up amassing things and you feel like I can't really have all that mm-hmm. in my house just boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff so you put it in a storage unit uh, anyway I got it all out the other day because I got you know built a big shed in the garden so I'm just going to keep it in there uh, and just been finding loads and loads of old stuff and I found the old masters for the Young Americans which is the first film I ever did uh, and um, I was with a guy today and he looked at it and he goes oh uh was it fourth of it was like thirteenth of April or something, nineteen ninety three. He goes, That's a year I was born. And oh. I'm like, you know, talking to this bloke as an equal <laughs> on equal footing like that. that's really weird. I am forty five, so I, I am a fully adult person. Okay. So I, you know, All right. Yeah. Okay, good. I don't so feel too okay. bad then. <laughs> but yeah, since I was a baby. As long as I don't have that horrible, creeping realisation that I could be your father, that's close enough for me to not worry about it. Thanks. Well, you, you, are, you are great. You are the tops of my eyes, and I, I really well, appreciate you're very, your very, very kind. And for asking questions which no one normally does, they usually, you know, sometimes it's all about, oh, you know, do you, uh, how do you think of your ideas? Well... <laughs> Oh, you're very kind. Thanks for uh, for putting up with me.